America the Beautiful. Sing out, won't you, all four verses, 630.
You're all wound up. Well, obviously, things are a little bit different today. If you're a guest, normally there's a beautiful wooden pulpit that sits here, and I stand behind that pulpit and uh, preach God's Word, and uh, we do that week in and week out, but today, obviously, the pulpit's not here, and I'm not standing, so it's a little bit different, and that's on purpose, because today, I want to kind of talk with you as a church family, kind of a heart-to-heart talk. Uh, pastor to people, and I want to share with you some things. Um, I've had this message in my notebook for a while now, and it was never the right time to share it. And I wasn't planning on sharing it today. You know, we just started a new series in Romans chapter 12, and we'll come back to that. And by the way, the pulpit will come back, and I'll I'll go back to standing soon. But um, I wasn't planning on sharing this today, but Thursday night as I was headed to the hospital, God said it's time to share this message. And so I said, okay. So I want to share this message. Let me give you a little background on the message. Those of you who've been here for some time know that uh, each January, um, my family and I, we go down in, uh, to Florida uh, to a pastor's conference at First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida. It's a great week for us. I get my batteries recharged. I get preached to. Uh, I get ministered to. They minister to my wife. They minister to my kids. It's a great blessing, and by the way, I appreciate you seeing that we get to go to that and providing that, and, and you benefit from that in many ways. But that's kind of the inspiration from today's message. No, I didn't copy a message down there and, and, and stole it and come back and preach it here. It's not the idea. But long story short, um, a couple years ago, I guess it was, I was at a conference at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. It was a Bailey Smith evangelism conference. And after one of the sessions, uh, Brother Bailey was, was there in the front, and I had one of his books. I was going to go down and get him to sign my book that he wrote. And I went down, and I gave him my book to sign, and he looked at me and said something to the effect that you're a young Homer Lindsay Jr. You look like a young Homer Lindsay Jr. Well, I do what probably you do when somebody tells you you look like somebody you don't know. You say, oh, okay. But, I, but the curiosity got to me, and I decided... I wonder what this fellow looks like. Did I look like Homer Lindsay? I didn't know who Homer Lindsay Jr. was. So I went home, and, or I went back to the motel, I think, that evening, and I Googled that name and found it and said, okay. Well, fast forward a little bit of time, and we go to our first conference uh, at First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida. Little did I know that that was the church where for many, many, many years... Their beloved pastor was named Homer Lindsay Jr. And I go walking on the campus of First Baptist Church Jacksonville in downtown Jacksonville to the delight of some of the members there, especially some of the older members, as they begin to share with me that I look like their beloved pastor. By the way, Homer Lindsay Jr. died in 2000, went home to heaven. I didn't grow up a Southern Baptist, so I didn't know that he had a church at the church at the time of his death had 26,000 members. I'd never really heard of Homer Lindsay Jr., but here I come walking there, and at that time I was wearing glasses. I wasn't wearing contacts all the time like I do now, and so they were delighted. And uh, I remember taking a photograph with a lady because I looked like her former pastor and <laughs> signing her Bible and, and all kinds of things. Because I was like there. And by the way, you probably want to know what Homer Lindsay Jr. looks like, don't you? And, and I, I wish I could throw it up on the wall here today. We need to get there, by the way. We have some projection. But I knew you'd be curious. And I'm, just, I'm curious to get your opinion, too. 
if you think I look like Homer Lindsay Jr. So there's a picture that I want you to see today, and maybe you could tell me if you think this is what I'm going to look like when I'm a little bit older. It's under your puke cushion. If you'll look under your puke cushion. There's a picture of Homer Lindsay Jr. What do you think? Do I look like Homer Lindsay Jr.? All right. If I have my glasses, give me, give me those glasses. Okay, you may, oh. So there you go. In a couple years, I actually had a person I went to high school with. She wasn't in my grade, but I posted that, I think, around that time on Facebook. She thought I'd actually age that picture by computer technology. But that is Homer Lindsay Jr. And he is a beloved pastor, a great soul winner. And I told him when they make the movie, I'll be glad to come down and play the part. <laughs> but the reason I shared that with you today, because I want to share with you uh, some things that I learned from Homer Lindsay Jr. Uh, at the pastor's conference, you take your meals there and you end up sitting with whoever else is eating at that time. And so it's a pretty interesting thing because you go in the dining room there and you sit at the round tables and you may sit with a missionary from somewhere around the world. You may sit with a seminary student who's there as part of a seminary class. You may sit with other pastor or worship leaders or whatever. And you get to know a lot of people. It's a very interesting time. But I was sitting, it might have been that first year, I don't remember, but I was sitting with a pastor from Tennessee, an older pastor, and he looks at me and he says, you look a lot like Homer Lindsay Jr. You remind me of Homer Lindsay. Yeah, I get that a lot. I have a lot of fun with it too. I was even given a gift bag from one of their members before I came. Uh, she gave me a gift bag. We, we get no, we'll get a note from over there. It's just it's opened up a wonderful time, and if it's a blessing to them, I just have fun with it. Uh, but he he got to talking with me. He had been going to this conference obviously for several years, and he said something that stuck with me for some reason. He said, "You know, Doctor Lindsay would be a good man for you to model your ministry after." And so I, for some reason, that stuck with me, and I thought about it. And I said, well, maybe there's more to this than just resemblance. Maybe God is trying to teach me something. Maybe God is trying to show me something. So I began to explore a little bit about Dr. Homer Lindsay Jr. And I've listened to him on CD and I've seen him on video. And I have some of his booklets. In fact, that was part of that gift bag was a, a whole collection of, of booklets from him. Um, and as I was exploring, I ran across a Wikipedia article. And in that article, there were some quotes. There was a quote from a senator. There was a quote from Paige Patterson, who is our president of Southwestern Seminary now. And there was a quote by a pastor uh, named Dr. David King, who at the time was a pastor out in Oklahoma. And he shared in this very simple quote, four things that Homer Lindsay always taught. And they resonated with me. And I want to share with you what I learned from Dr. Lindsay. Though I never met the man, never heard him in person, I learned these four things. He taught me these things that I need to continually teach you and remind you. Today's kind of like those of us who use computers, you know the value of rebooting your system, hopefully. For those who maybe not, don't know what that means, basically it means you shut down your computer and you start it up fresh. And as you shut it down, it kind of shuts off all these programs and all these things that are 
being used, and it starts up with the vital things. And, you know, we're in a busy season in our church right now. We've got vacation Bible school. We're enlisting workers for uh, uh, next church year. We're getting ready to redo the parking lot. All these things going on. What I want to do for the next few minutes, I want to shut all that off. I want to shut that down. And I want to reboot as a church family. And I want to talk about four vital things as we reboot today that Homer Lindsay Jr. always taught. And so that quote led me to the scripture. It was just a quote. There was no scriptures, but everything that was taught was biblical. And I want to share those four things with you today. What I learned from Homer Lindsay Jr. I learned, first of all, I need to constantly remind you folks and myself that we need to love Jesus. We need to love Jesus. And you say, wow, that's so profound. Yes, it is. It's profound. Because we can get so busy, 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 we forget why we're serving and who we're serving. And I want you to open your Bibles first to John chapter 21. John 21. And we'll be in the Gospel of John. We'll be in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in Revelation a little bit. And we'll be in 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to be here just a few minutes. Now be sure to take all those pictures with you. Because I don't want somebody in the, down in the future wondering why the pastor's picture's underneath the pew, okay? <laughs> By the way, I was here late putting those under last night, and we're going to have another sermon soon about what is a trash can and why I should use one. <laughs> You'd be amazed what are under those pew cushions. But anyway, be sure to t- at least take those and throw them away. Oh, John chapter 21. There's a, there's a picture here of the love of Christ. You know, Peter denied the Lord. Denied Him outright. And the Lord didn't leave Peter to Himself. He came to Peter and ministered to him after His resurrection. And we have a wonderful, beautiful picture of Him preparing breakfast by the seaside. Can you imagine what that would be like to have the Lord Jesus there serving breakfast? But I want you to notice what He says to Peter beginning at verse 15. Of John 21. It says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You know, I knew that passage, but when I went back and looked at it this past week, you know what really stuck out to me was the fact that the way the Lord ordered things in that verse and in those questions. He asked Peter three different times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And each time that Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you, then Jesus would say, what? Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And the order is important. Before service for the Lord came love for the Lord. And we need to remember that as a church family because so many times we get very busy. This is a busy congregation. I was joking with my wife the other day about when is a downtime at Red Hill? When is it that we have a 
a time where it just can catch my breath. I laugh because I read some of these pastoral theology books and all. It says, for pastors, please use your summers to expand and grow your mind and rest and recharge. I thought, well, they don't live at Red Hill Baptist Church, that's for sure. I don't know if there is a downtime or or a rest time in that sense. But beloved, here's the point. We need to make sure that we love Jesus above all. And I was reminded by Dr. Lindsay, according to this Dr. King here, that's what he always taught his people, to love Jesus. And I want to teach you and remind you and remind myself, we must always love Jesus. Yes, we're going to serve Him. Yes, we're going to labor for Him. Yes, we're going to minister. But before that comes love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today, and you've got to be honest. Your love is not what... It once was. Maybe there's a time that you need to refresh your love. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, I'd suggest the same way you would do it with your spouse. You spend time with that person. You get alone with them and you talk with them and allow them to talk with you. And you fellowship together. There's a song that says, he walks with me and talks with me and he tells me I am his own. I need to tell you today, beloved. I need to remind you, beloved, love Jesus. Above everything else, love Jesus. There's a second thing Dr. Lindsay always taught, and that's this, love each other. Love each other. Now, you're going to say the same book, the Gospel of John, but turn back to chapter 13. It's interesting because in chapter 13, you have the Lord Jesus predicting Peter's denial, but before he does that, he gives what he says is a new commandment to them in verse 34, John 13, 34. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment, Lord Jesus speaking here, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now we just sang a moment ago, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. All of us are a part of a family, a physical family. And if we know the Lord Jesus, we're a part of the spiritual family. But you know by now, I trust, if you live for any amount of time, that families share one thing in common. Families have problems. Don't they? Some families have more problems than other families, it seems. A lot of ministry is dealing with people's problems and family problems. But the thing about it, beloved, is even in the midst of problems, even in the midst of challenges and and trials, in the midst of all of that, as a family, we still love one another. Would you believe that sometimes Danielle and I have a disagreement? And and she doesn't realize I'm right? (laughs) Now in that midst, you know what's true? We still love each other. There might be an issue and a challenge to overcome. And in our church family, guess what? We're not always going to agree on everything. Now we should all agree on the scripture. It's God's word and we stand with it. We're going to have disagreements. Somebody might think, well, we need, to, uh, we need to have this color or we need to do this or I don't think we should do that. And we can love and have unity and harmony in the midst of that disagreement because we love each other. The Bible says we're to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're to weep with those who weep. And as a family of God, beloved, when you hurt, I hurt. And your brothers and sisters hurt, or at least we should. When you rejoice, we rejoice with you. We, we give preference to the other. We're not selfish and self-centered. We're Christ-centered and other-centered. And Dr. Lindsay always taught his people to love each other. And I want to remind you today, we need to love each other. 
And that goes on beyond just this hour we're together or two hours or whatever. It goes on all the time. We weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We're to love Jesus supremely. We're to love each other. But there's a third thing, and that's this. We're to love lost people. We're to love lost people. Many of you know this passage, the, what's been called the Great Commission, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 28. The Lord Jesus there, the end of that book, says very plainly, beginning at verse 18 of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We've been given a commission. He says, go. Now, here's the, here's the part of the quote I want you to hear as well from Dr. King. He says, whatever else you can say about Homer Lindsay, the most important thing about him was that he taught soul winning. He taught First Baptist Church of Jacksonville to lead people to Jesus Christ as much or more than he taught them anything else. Now, listen, this is not about exalting Homer Lindsay, Jr. This is about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we need to love lost people. You say, well, they're lost. They're they're sinful. Yes, all of us are. You say, well, they're not like me. Yes, they are. They're sinners in need of a Savior. We all have that in common. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some have gone further than others. And if we haven't gone as far as they have, it's because of the grace of God. We need to love lost people. I think we've forgotten if all if truth were said that there is a hell, a real literal hell, and millions of people are headed there if they don't know the Lord Jesus. I want to share with you the book of Revelation, verse, uh, chapter 20. If you'd go there, please. A startling passage here in Revelation 20. You have the great white throne judgment. And don't misunderstand. The great, great white throne judgment is not for believers. Revelation chapter 20. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. Those of us who know Christ, who love the Lord, who are born again, will stand at the judgment seat of Christ or the bema seat of Christ. That's not about salvation. That's settled at the foot of the cross. That's about rewards. Our life will be reviewed and will be rewarded. Some will suffer loss. They will suffer the loss of rewards. But they'll be saved. In other words, the idea is we're not judged for our salvation. That happens the moment we trust the Lord Jesus Christ and turn from our sin. But we will stand as believers before the judgment seat of Christ and our life will be reviewed and we'll receive rewards. The great white throne judgment here is for those who are lost. And it's a startling thing to read in beginning at verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, and notice this, he saw the dead small and great. The greatest leader, the greatest person in all the world, and the most least known person. They'll stand together before this great white throne. They were standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. 
Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And notice verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's real, beloved. And God's word is true. We forget it. We think, oh, everybody's going to make it. No, they're not. If they do not receive the Savior, they're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire. And we must reach them and win them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and share it with them. We've got to love lost people. And the greatest way you can love lost people is to share the gospel with them. Share the gospel with them. That all have sinned. There's none righteous. But God sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We've got to love lost people. We've got to love Jesus, love each other, love lost people. There's a fourth thing and we're done. He said He always taught the people. He always taught them to be thankful. To be thankful. If you look in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's a, a long list there of things that we're told to do. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's always God's will for you to be thankful. Did you know that? There's never a time, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, where you should not be thankful. And we've got a lot to complain about in our world, if we want to be honest about it. I've been fighting the urge to complain about the rain. Have you? <laughs> be honest. Be transparent now. We've got a lot we could complain about. A lot wrong in our world. But you know what? There's a lot right, too. And we've got a choice to make. We can choose to be complainers or we can choose to be praisers and thankers. Thanksgiving. We can make that choice. And I, and I know that uh, Red Hill is not a perfect church and that was the case when you called me as pastor and it will be the case as long as I am pastor. It's not a perfect church. In fact, there are no perfect churches, are there? We all have our challenges. We can focus on what's wrong, and, and we're, we're working on some things, of course, that we can make better, and God helping us, we will. But the idea is this, beloved. We have a great church, and I'm thankful for it. You know why it's a great church? Because it has great people like you in it. And I mean that. It has great people. Salt-of-the-earth people. Some of the kindest, generous people, I think, upon the face of the earth. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. We've got a great church with great people. But ultimately, you know why it's great? Because we serve a great God. He's a great God. I hope you caught that passage in the adult classes today. That last scripture passage where it talked about the greatness of our God. Dave talked about them singing, how great is our God. How great is our God. And He is. We need to be thankful. Listen, we're blessed beyond measure. We're blessed beyond our imagination. I've been frustrated this past week because, you know, the Internet was out all over the county. Y'all know that? Y'all have the same problem? I like, I mean, I, I use that a lot. It's a tool. And, man, I, I, I need the Internet. And then our air conditioning went out. Man, I like air conditioning, don't you? But then I had to remind myself, you know what? 
We don't have to have internet. We don't, ha- we don't have to have air conditioning. There was a day they lived without air conditioning. Can you imagine that? Now, they were hardier and stronger than we are, obviously. But God has blessed us. We're comfortable with all this stuff. We've got a lot to be thankful about. A lot to be thankful for. Let me bring this to a close. In one of the rooms, they have a kind of a hospitality room there at the pastor's conference. And uh, I think they have water and cookies and so forth in this little room. And um, we went in there one day and I looked up on the wall and there was a picture of, uh, actually it was a framed bulletin. And it was a bulletin from the celebration service of Dr. Lindsay's passing and going home to heaven. I understand they had a celebration service at the church and then they had a private graveside service with the family. But this was the, the bulletin framed and hung in this room. Now, you think I look like Dr. Lindsay. And now imagine you're standing here looking at this picture of this dead man who looks like you. <laughs> and it reminded me that there's coming a day where I'm going to face death. I took a picture of that, by the way. I have a picture of that particular brochure as a reminder. That one day my life is going to come to an end and there's going to be hopefully a celebration service. I don't know. Might be celebrating I'm gone. But uh, there was a verse on that front of that uh, bulletin that I wanted to share with you. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter uh, 4 of the second book of Timothy, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Beloved, that should be our goal as a people individually. That we will do that in our own lives. And and that should be our desire as a church family, corporately. That we're on the course that God has set for us. That we're running the race that God has given to us. And, And my prayer as a people, as a church family is that we will always be a people who love Jesus, who love each other, who love the lost, and are thankful. And I hope that we can say at the end of our individual lives that we've kept the faith, we've finished strong, and we've honored the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are just a few things that I learned from Homer Lindsay Jr. Let's pray. Father, these things we've talked about today are so simple yet so profound. We can easily lose them in the midst of everything else. I pray that you would help us as a church family to always, 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 above all, love Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to love each other, to love the lost, and to be thankful. And Lord, I realize there may be somebody even here today who's never met Jesus Christ as Savior. And Lord, I pray in this next few moments, you bring them to saving faith in Him. I pray, Lord, perhaps you've touched the heart of someone here today and they need to come and just spend some time in prayer to you. Maybe their love for you is not what it once was. They need to come and refresh that today. I pray they'll do that as we sing this last song. Lord, I thank you that I never met the man. He's blessed my life. Thank you for the church, that the legacy that he has that blesses me year in and year out there at First Baptist Jacksonville. Lord, I know it's his desire and mine as well that you receive all the honor and glory. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. There's a little chorus I want us to close with this morning. Number 457. And the altar's open and maybe you need to be saved today. We'd love to lead you to the Lord. You come as we sing and we'll do that. Maybe you want to come and pray today. Maybe this was a, a rebooting for you. These are some things you needed. Love Jesus. Love each other. Love the lost and be thankful. You come today. And I want to thank you for listening to this time. But let's stand and sing together. 457. In my life, in your song, in your church, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified today. 457. Let's stand and sing. You come today and the altar's open.